Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups. The superstars. The games. Starting defense. Place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on the Fan. A comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. We do have an interesting Sunday show coming up for you, and that's because Rashad likely not going to make the show today. <laughs> he uh, he texted me this morning at 8 a.m., and he goes, bro, in, in true Rashad fashion, bro, my car won't effing start. And I was like, that's okay. He's like, calling AAA. I was like, okay, like, that's okay. You, know, you can get to the show when you can get to the show. I get it. So I texted him just before the show started because I hadn't heard. And uh, he says, won't start. That's all he said. So I don't know if AAA is there. I don't know if he needs to get, if it's a battery thing or something else. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and assume Rashad's not going to make it in today. But uh, we shall see if he shows up at some point during the show. Yeah, that was um, a little bit unexpected car trouble. Never, you know, just always out of the blue. I know, especially because he, it's not a new car, but he has a new car for him. He bought a used car, but, uh, you know, it's a it's a Range Rover. It's a nice car. He was very excited about it. He was all happy about his new purchase. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah, he had a really, really, really old expedition for a very long time and uh, upgraded his car. And, I, you know, it kind of sucks when you're basically brand new upgraded car, again, used, but brand new to you, has problems that quickly. You know, you're like, oh, really? Yeah. I just got this now and now it's not working again and you got to put money into it. And then it's then it starts this vicious cycle and you're like, oh, no, did I get a lemon? What's happening? Yeah, it's not, no, not fun. And, it, and it, it can really mess things up. The last time Marie and I bought a car, um, three days after we drove it off the lot, it was a used car. The um, head gasket exploded. Oh. Yeah, that sucked. Um, and so, you know, we fixed the head gasket. And Can you bring that back to the dealer and oh, be like. Oh, they laughed at us. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, you know, they, they were laughing. They're like, yeah, <laughs> what, you bought it. So no, you don't you don't take it back to the dealer. Oh no! And so, so they, they were one of those like they they probably knew too. Oh yeah, yeah no sleazy deal. So we take it to a place. They find out that you know somebody had put go to a reputable dealer. Folks. Yeah. Oh for for sure for sure that was that was um, definitely a mistake on our part. And they had put that that stuff you put in the radiator that goes through the system and it fills the leaks in your gasket, which just ruins everything. Um, so that was put in the system. So we, um, so we we fixed the gasket, but then there was all these overheating problems. 
because a little piece of that little gasket filler made it into the reservoir. Like, you know, that little reservoir that goes in for the excess water when it's too hot, it goes into the reservoir when it's when sure. it's cold, it pulls I know it very in. little about cars, okay. so I'm going to believe everything you Well, there's you a say. reservoir in there. So, but the, there's a 90-degree thing. It's like a little quarter-inch hole that this water goes through, and there's like this, like, silicone stuff stuck in it. So water can never go in or out of this thing, having overheating problems with this thing. Throw a, a rod. Eventually, we just basically can't drive this car after I even rebuilt the entire engine. And so I, I don't know if you've noticed over the last year, I mean, I still have my Mustang, but it hasn't been here. Because, oh, is that the car that was the bad one? No, that's not actually. Oh. It just, I, as we're working on that car, was not able to invest in my car. So its entire low end is shot. So I need to replace all the struts, all um, the, yeah, I've the noticed rotors. you've been driving like a red Subaru or something, right? Yep, that's the latest one. <laughs> you know, the the Mazda I was driving. Um, I I share cars. Like right now, currently, I, Marie and I share a car with my mother. Mm. Yeah, it's exciting. Hey, hey, everybody, this is this is I'm an adult. I'm a 36 year old adult <laughs> that has to share a car with my mother because we bought a lemon car like six years ago, and we spent thousands of dollars. Fixing this car, and by the way, I had to do all this on my own because otherwise it would have cost thousands of more dollars. And it's not because I did it; these are different problems that keep popping up. Like the, the latest one is um, basically the the drivetrain's gone out and the steering doesn't work. So, like, it, it's just like the, one thing after another with this car. So it's literally and been knowing s- knowing your job, you drive a very long way almost every day. Yeah, I, I drive I, I drive about 130 miles a day. Yeah. Round trip, and because I also have to go back into downtown Portland to pick up Marie from her job, so that's always fun. So we put a lot of miles on the car, like, and that's eventually like. So I wasn't able to put any of it back into the Mustang. Mustang goes back on the side of the road. Now we have this uh, stupid tracker that's been sitting in front of our house for like two, two and a half years that hasn't moved, you know. <laughs> and and I, I can't sell it. Like, I, it's just it's and we can't buy a new car because we spent all the money on that. Like, it's just been a, a, an absolute disaster. So I. I feel right now for Rashad right now. Now, the funny thing, though, is Rashad, if he's listening, hi. Uh, hey, Rashad. We <laughs> he's probably you. not listening, but um, if he is, he's probably going, well, I feel a lot better about my problem right now. My starter won't start, and Jesse's had nine bajillion things wrong with his cars, all of them, plural, in the last five years. In fact, I think we've replaced the starter in that car, and I've replaced the alternator in that car. Like, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, that car is half replaced since I bought it, and there's still new things popping up, and they're all different. Yeah, go to a reputable dealer, people. It'll just make it, I mean, it won't make it easier if you get a lemon, but it'll, they'll help you more than someone just laughing at you as you, as you walk away from their, from their dealer. Uh, we got a lot of stuff on the show today. Both Oregon and Oregon State got wins yesterday. We will start next segment with breaking down those games. Oregon in the robbery game against the Huskies, four-point win. Oregon State on the road against Cal, four-point win. Big win for the Bees. so we'll get to both those games. Next, we have our fantasy scramble coming up at 9.30 and 9.45. So if you have any fantasy start sick questions, text them to the Better You Today text line at 55305. We'll get to as many as we can in uh, the, the later part of the 9 o'clock hour. And then diving into the NFL, Marcus Mariota officially benched in Tennessee. That doesn't mean he's not going to play again this year, uh, but it means that he's likely not getting re-signed by the Titans at the end of his rookie deal this season. So where do you think Mariota could have the most success moving forward, and will he have success moving forward in his career, or is 
he just going to be a bust. Uh, also, since we last spoke, which was a couple weeks ago, we were asking, pontificating about whether or not Russell Wilson was the best quarterback in the league. And I think in the uh, week that we had off and the week leading up to this with the Patrick Mahomes injury, Russell Wilson might be the number one quarterback in the NFL, folks. So uh, that's going to be our West Coast bias. And uh, it's the Seahawks look really, really good, but in a very Seahawky way right now, where they don't play great the whole game, and they're kind of playing down to some of their competition, but yet they're still winning, and Russell Wilson still makes things happen when they need to happen in the fourth quarter, and he's been absolutely spectacular. Just classic Hawks. They, they love to play down to competition, play up to competition. They like to play in close games. And Russell Wilson likes to be the hero, man. You, yeah, I like to think how Cam Newton used to do the Superman thing. No, Ru- Russell Wilson's truly that guy's Superman. That guy's <laughs> Superman. He really like Cam he, Newton. He he was a running back that could like throw an inaccurate ball. Like Russell Wilson is like he's so fun to watch. I hate the Seahawks and I hate Russell Wilson, but he's so good. He is really fun to watch. So we'll get to that coming up in the ten o'clock hour. Also, hate it or love it at ten thirty. Um, like I said, we'll start with college football quickly, uh, coming up next, but just wanted to throw this out there. I had a lot of people on Twitter asking after my well-being last night, uh, I did not tweet uh, for multiple hours after the end of the Yankees Astros game. And, uh, that's because I had DVR'd the Timbers playoff game and had not looked at any stats or any, any updates. And I watched that directly after getting my heart ripped out of my chest by Jose Altuve. And then I got my heart ripped out of my chest again in the 83rd minute when the Timbers lost their playoff game to Real Salt Lake on a... After a really, really, really good second half, they just collapsed and gave Salt Lake all the ball. So uh, not only did my favorite team in the world, the Yankees, get knocked out of the playoffs yesterday, I also root for the Timbers, and they lost in their playoff match as well. So it was not a fun, uh, not a not a fun evening for for little old Mike Lynch right here. Uh, I was I was kind of in I was in denial for a lot of last night. I, I a couple of years ago when the Yankees lost in Game Seven to the Astros. 2017 in the ALCS, I was absolutely beside myself. I did a Jesse on the Bronco or on a fantasy loss in the playoffs last year where you just freaked out. I was freaking out. Right. And I was like, you know what? This is unhealthy. (laughs) You can't get, you can't get this stressed over this. So I I took it better this year, but that's not to say that I wasn't very frustrated. Um, I was in denial at first because the Yankees, if you didn't, if you don't care about baseball and you didn't watch the game, tied the game with a two run home run in the top of the ninth inning. And you're like, oh, my God, they can do this. If they win, we get a game seven tomorrow. And the, I mean, I know you're facing Garrett Cole, but who knows what could happen? And then immediately give up a two-run home run to Jose Altuve in the ninth to lose it. Uh, I kind of – I pulled the Araldis Chapman. He kind of just smiled in disbelief after the home run. And I was just like – I had the same face on. I was like, oh, my God, of course. Of course this is going to happen. It's the Astros year. So not, not a great night for Mike Lynch. If you were on Twitter checking into my well-being, I'm fine. I'm here. Hello. But uh, I am – I'm a little bit a little bit perturbed after last night, but I'll be okay. Maybe a fantasy win can help me because I've had a really bad start to my fantasy year and I could uh, really use a win this week. So we'll get to some of that coming up at 930. And uh, thank you for checking in on me. I appreciate it, even if some of you are posting anti-Yankee memes. Um, I understand. You hate greatness. It's okay. Uh, I, I personally laugh a little bit in your, you know. 27 sadness. championships. Yeah. Yeah, I, I laugh a little bit at your sadness. You know, yeah, no, no, okay. I think, I think, I think Portland's half. Uh, uh, you could keep laughing. At me. A, a, a half sympathetic to you and a half laughing at you. So, I mean, right. Like, I think that's kind of like the feel around here. Obviously Portland would like the Timbers have to have won. So they're sympathetic in that respect, but nobody wants to see the Yankees win, bro. Nobody. 
Well, I want to see the Yankees win. Yeah, so bro. that's why they're all that's why they're all laughing, bro. 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 All right. Coming up next, let's get into the college football of yesterday. Oregon, Oregon State, both getting wins. Let's talk about the main storylines from both games. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. This text comes in and says, Land Rovers are mechanical nightmares. Sorry, R. We also got a hashtag Honda. People love Hondas. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I know basically nothing about cars. So what Jesse was saying in the first segment to me was a foreign language. Uh, I have never been a guy who's been around mechanics or understood cars my dad never did either so i don't know what you're talking about but i've heard hondas are good and i've heard land rovers slash range rovers could be bad cars sometimes but they're also really cool looking and and luxury so i mean maybe you take that if you can afford it you can kind of take that with what it's worth but yeah i don't think rashad's coming in today so if he does i'll be surprised but uh, and you will be too but if not we will hold down the fort for him as he deals with car issues this morning, uh, Oregon and Oregon State both getting wins yesterday. Four point wins. We'll start with Oregon since uh, that was the bigger game between the two ranked teams as number 12 Oregon beat number 25 Washington 35 31. And to me, the number one takeaway from this game was Marcus Arroyo's play calling actually was good. And it was such a joy to watch interesting unique play calls by this offense there were two calls in particular that when I was watching the game stood out to me and I went okay I like what you're doing the first one was early in the second half Washington had scored on their first drive to go back up 14 points and you bring in Cyrus Vibilicchio instead of Verdell and instead of Travis Dye on that drive for most of the second part of that drive, and he is dominating. And you go, oh, okay. So Verdell's not having a great game. Dye's, you know, he's he, yeah, he wound up having a solid game, but Dye's not having a great game. Maybe a Bibilicchio, who's been the red zone only guy for the Ducks, will come in and, and kind of give a spark. And he did. He was fantastic on that drive. They went down and scored a touchdown on a 14-yard run by Bibilicchio. They go back down by seven. Washington gets a field goal to go back up two scores on the very next drive. You go for it on fourth and three from the Washington 36. This was my favorite play, play call of the whole game was they did the, I don't really know what I would call it. It was almost as if it was a wide receiver motion counter screen where Pittman went in motion behind Herbert. And instead of going out for a screen kind of did a running back counter back towards the play and then cut back out again and wound up getting a 36-yard touchdown on the play. I was like, wow. First of all, you're using Pittman well because he's only been healthy for a couple of games, but we've seen a lot of plus signs from him early on in his in his Duck career. Right. But you haven't seen that type of play call from Marcus Arroyo that much this year. And then the final one was on the Ducks' last touchdown, which gave them the lead, 35-31, which was their, basically their last offensive drive, was the third and two pass to Jalen Red at the goal line, which was a very similar kind of 
concept, little screen pass, but it worked again because of the way you set it up previously on that drive and the way that you set it up on that specific play with the wide receivers where they were to get an easy touchdown for Jalen Red. And it, I think Isaac Rob put this best on Twitter yesterday. He said, I think we saw Marcus Arroyo grow up a little bit in this game. To me, that was the maturation, hopefully, of Marcus Arroyo uh, in this game to becoming a more exciting and unique and unpredictable play caller. I know Oregon wants to run the football. Mario Cristobal has made that abundantly clear that their, their mantra is going to be run, 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 and run again. And they still did that yesterday, but they added enough wrinkles in and worked off the running game enough that it worked out for a big win. And you let Justin Herbert still air the ball out while still controlling the game with the running game. I, I was very pleasantly surprised with Marcus Arroyo yesterday because that that was screaming loss to Washington with how they played earlier in the year offensively because of how down, how how many points they were down. And it didn't didn't happen that way. So bravo, Marcus Arroyo. You you at least for one game shut us all up. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I I thought um I I loved the move to Licchio because he definitely was a momentum changer for that entire offense. When you, when you think about how Verdell and die just were so ineffective with their touches and they really have been for most of this season. It's the first time in a long time that duck fans look at a running back and going, what is going on here? I mean, you just think back all, all the way back to Ontario Smith. It seems like there's always been a guy that you're like, that guy's good. That guy's good in Oregon. But for some reason, you know, Verdell died. They just haven't fit that bill. And so it's been frustrating. That ground game hasn't been working. And I'm, I love, I'm, I'm a classic football guy. I, as much as I like watching flashy spread offenses, I always believe it always comes back to true football and the ability to control the clock, run the ball. And off of that, you get to make so many big plays and you got that running game going, and then you were able to put in those wrinkles. Those wrinkles are like McVay-type wrinkles, right? Yeah. Because they always talk about, about doing those jet sweeps. You have about seven different plays that you can run off the exact same jet sweep with the same receiver, and that becomes virtually impossible to guard when there's seven different things that, this one, that you can do with this one receiver doing on a jet play. And so when you start moving those receivers – back behind the quarterback and you start making those linebackers move one that allows Herbert to start reading the defense. Are we in man coverage? Are we in zone coverage? What's going on? Are they following the receiver around? Like there's so many different things that allow Herbert to understand what he's about to see before the snap even happens with that little bit of movement. So those different things, that maturation, that offense, part of that, you're starting to get all your toys back. Yeah, I think that's important. And I think what's what's interesting, too, is Jawan Johnson hasn't played a role. And frankly, I'm not sure if he will. I mean, Duck fans were really hyped about him coming in as a grad transfer from Penn State because of his size and the ability for him to be a potential number one. I mean, he, he has played the last two games, but his role has been very minimal. And frankly, he seems a little bit out of place in this offense, which is sad and weird. But it, I think Micah Pittman is the real deal. He is really really good and I like that Johnny Johnson has kind of turned out to be a reliable receiver a la Dylan Mitchell from last year not at the same level obviously but uh, someone that you can trust in a, in a third down situation a nice to get receiver. open yeah, yeah exactly. exactly yeah and I, I think 
all of these receivers, this entire core has maturated quite a bit from last year. You're not seeing the same type of mental errors and drops. I I think that that first half, the inability for that that air attack to really get going after that first drive was more on misfires from Herbert than they were from receivers. Yeah, not Herbert running had right a couple routes. of bad throws yesterday. He did. Like, that first half was not vintage Herbert. But the nice thing is, guess what? He came out in the second half and he made plays. And that that in itself, all of that, all those second half adjustments, that's what we've all been worrying about the Ducks, right? They come out and they play really well under Mario Cristobal in the first half. You know, you think back to that Stanford game last year, the the Auburn game this year, and then what happens that second half, it's like you go on cruise control and you let things happen. It's almost good that you're on the road against your, your Husky rival. And losing. And losing. It's almost like that was a good thing for you to, to grow up a little bit because you're so used to playing with the lead, you need to learn how to play in the second half. I also think Washington scoring on that first drive was huge as well in terms of helping push them to kind of – Get that extra step in offense. You're not going to get to just rely on this great defense today. Uh, two final thoughts. One text. Do the Ducks have any big backs committed to come into the program in the next one or two cycles? I was just looking. I'm not big recruiting guy. Obviously, you could ask Andrew Nemec about that more than me. Uh, it looks like in this coming class, no. But they did get this guy named Seven McGee, who's a four-star running back who's committed for 2021. Uh, but keep in mind, no matter what you think, Verdell's only a sophomore and Dye's only a sophomore. So they will improve, hopefully. And um, they might not be the best backs, but I think the way probably Mario Cristobal and the staff is looking at it is we need to get some running backs in, but our running backs are still young and not leaving. And and, and you might have found something in Licchio that maybe he's a guy that you can use a little bit more often. He, you know, he, he's obviously explosive. He can obviously make plays and he can run between the tackles and and he was running between the same tackles that Verdell and Dye were running between and he was making plays and the other guys weren't. Uh, the other thought I had was Oregon's defense looked the worst it did all year against Washington, which was a little bit surprising to me, to be honest with you. But uh, when it mattered most in the fourth quarter, they didn't give up a first down. It felt like it was a bunch of three and outs for Washington. And on that final drive, they held strong and, uh, and got out of the game with a win. So the defense had been elite up until that point, and Washington kind of poked some holes in it a little bit. Uh, but when it mattered most, they been they they bent but didn't break. Uh, Oregon State also getting a win on the road against Cal, and the one takeaway from that game is hey, the defense won them a football game <laughs> because you know Cal Cal's got monster at quarterback, and and he's not exactly. Quarterback one, if you know what I mean, but uh, he's not exactly the best quarterback out there. He only went 12 to 27 throwing the football. He did run the ball 19 times. That's more his game at this point in his career. But watching Oregon State's defense this year should have instilled no confidence in you against any quarterback or any player that they could have stopped anybody. And they did. Their defense came out and sacked Monster nine times. Wait, is it is it the, the Bronco offensive line that, that Cal's got going for? Uh, I though? think so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, nine sacks for the Beebs yesterday in that game, a 21-17 win. Um, did just enough offensively, had a good late drive in the fourth quarter to get them that win. And, you know, Luton played fine. He wasn't his best. Luton's been pretty good this year. He was not great. Cal is a great defense. But what was interesting is watching Oregon State win a defensive battle on the road is, I think, a huge step forward for this program. It's only three wins, but it's three wins with two of them coming in the Pac-12 in a row. And that's really big for the Beavs. Well, not in a row. 
Right, sorry. Yeah. Utah was in the middle. Yeah, I no. blanked that Utah game out yeah, of no, my that mind one, a That bit. one gets erased a little bit. But Two but Pac-12 no, wins in three weeks. Two Pac-12 wins, three weeks. <laughs> Technically, right now, you're sitting at second in the Pac-12 North. That's something you never would have thought that you would have been anything but out probably side of like the last place position coming into this season. They're playing well. Like, with the talent that they have, they're making improvement from week to week. Obviously, they're not good enough to play with the likes of a Utah. But when you talk about the middle of the Pac-12, you know, the UCLA's, the Stanford's, the Cal's, you can play with these guys. You, You can play. Like Washington State this year, that's a winnable game. Arizona, your next opponent, that's that's a winnable game. Like, they have... Winnable games on their schedule. They they don't need to end the season as a three win team. No, uh, they they might win another game or two. Look, it's got to be small steps. I've talked about this in the show before, and I'm not going to harp on it too much because I'm sure Oregon State fans are sick of hearing it. But uh, you want small little step victories if you're a team like Oregon State. And what you saw was, I think, a bigger step victory on the road, a literal victory against Cal, and it's a bigger step forward. Uh, and I think you gain a little bit of trust in Tibisar as your defensive coordinator as well, because a lot of people were thinking, I don't know, I don't know, maybe this defense will never be good again, no matter who you hire, it's just going to be a sieve. Uh, I know it's Cal. I know it was Monster, their backup quarterback in there, and they have not been very impressive on offense, but you still held a team to 17 points. I don't care if it wasn't that impressive on offense. Your defense has been so bad that that is impressive. So bravo, Oregon State. It's a good win. Be very happy that you did it on the road against Cal. A couple of texts and we'll break. Can you explain how the Ducks scored 17 against Cal and the Beavers scored 24? Yes, I can. Uh, Oregon plays a really, really conservative offense when they have the lead. And Cal couldn't score a damn thing against that Oregon defense. So they basically just went, we don't really care about scoring either. We're going to win this game. That's how they scored 17. Also, Oregon State has a good offense. They do. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. It's 21, by the way, not 24. But uh, they have a good offense that can score touchdowns. So that's why Oregon State scored more in that game. Also, uh, OSU alum here, awesome win, even better, was trying to explain a Moneyline bet to my mom as Chinook wins and said, screw it, put $20 on OSU Moneyline, plus 370, by the way, to show her. Nice little bonus from that win. We're on the right track. Maybe can sneak one on Arizona State or the or Arizona. Um, or sorry, Arizona State. Zona teams seem to struggle late in November games in Oregon. Yeah, but that's kind of what Jesse is saying. You might get another win or two in the Pac-12 to have a much better season than he expected. By the way, I do want to get into this in the last segment of the show. The Oregon scoreboard app, Oregon lottery scoreboard app is out and uh, we can now legally bet in the state on our phones. Did you know that Jesse? Have you been following this? Uh, I did not actually. I I keep thinking about it, but I I'm part of me is like, I don't need to know if it's there because I might actually use it and I don't necessarily need to use it. I need to fix my car. So you can only put, you can put like a dollar or two on games. It's fun. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show, by the way. And uh, I won my first bet on the under in the Broncos Chiefs game. So, Ooh. yeah, well, we'll want to know for for Mike Lynch here. All right, let's get into the fantasy scramble. Coming up, uh, text up or text in all of your fantasy football start say questions. The better you today text line at five five three zero five. We're getting into the heavy bye week time of the season where very important decisions are to be made in your fantasy season. So text in your questions now. We will get to as many as we can next. But first, Jesse has SportsCenter. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finishes terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team 
was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Nine thirty-four here, on, or nine thirty-six? Excuse me, here on your Sunday. How dare you not know how to read a clock? Well, so I, it's a I'm, digital clock, by the way. I'm guilty of this because there's <laughs> this clock to my left, which has been wrong for months, and the clock to my right, which has been the only one right for months. And I looked to the one at my left, and it was close to what I thought the real time was, and I went, "Oh, it's right." No, I mean it might have been fixed, but now it's two minutes behind and getting slower. <laughs> Where's our podcast, Mike Lynch? Uh, it's back. Oh, it's back. Yeah, it's back. All right. All right. You see. I, I did. I fixed it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, all right. So it is time for the fantasy scramble. If you have any start sick questions, feel free to text them in to the better you today. Text on at five, five, three, zero five. We don't have a ton so far today, so we may only do one segment on this unless they start flooding in right now. I do want to start with uh, one of my own. And uh, Jesse gave me a little advice, but if you're out there listening and have any thoughts before kick of the first games, let me know. Uh, it is for my flex position, and I'm deciding between Devin Singletary from the Bills, who's playing the Dolphins and is finally back from his injury, Latavius Murray of the Saints, who will be starting because Alvin Kamara is out, but it's against the Bears defense, or the Bengals wide receiver Auden Tate, who has been uh, basically their main target guy for the last couple of weeks uh, in my flex. So I'm leaning towards Latavius Murray, and I also had Devin Singletary in there for a while. But um, it's a tough one because the Bears defense is so good that you don't want to play running back against them. But the guy in Murray is going to get carries and goal line touches and a potential to get a couple of touchdowns and, and get you a good day. So I think I'm leaning towards Latavius Murray in that one. Yeah, I understand the the desire for Singletary. Um, he I mean, I I would start him over guys like David Montgomery I'd think about it over a guy like Carryon Johnson, who's getting a lot of touches, but has a really bad matchup against Minnesota. Um, there are guys that I would, I mean, definitely would think about using him over Mixon. You know, there, there are guys, but I don't know if Latavius Murray's one of the guys I would think about using him over just because of how proficient New Orleans is on offense, how, how well they run the ball, how much they use them in the passing game. And I know that Buffalo's facing Miami. Boy, you lick your chops when you have a guy as talented as Devin Singletary going against that putrid defense. However, there's that guy, Frank Gore, the ageless Frank Gore. I mean, that guy's like my age, and he's still running in the NFL. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any It sense. doesn't make any sense. Um, and he is holding off and has been and probably will continue to hold off Devin Singletary because he's been proficient. He, he's been fine. He's not been great. He's not been amazing, but he's been reliable. He's been trustworthy, and um, it allows them to ease Singletary and use him as a complimentary back the way they want to. So I really think it's hard to get away with a guy that's going to be the lead back in a good offense. I don't. I, it's not a great matchup. It's against the Chicago Bears but I just don't see how you can shy away from that offense and that workload for the starting running back. Uh, one of the questions we got non PPR league Latavius Murray or Austin Eckler at flex. Uh, well, now that Melvin Gordon's back, Eckler's role has been diminished. Although last year when Melvin Gordon was healthy and sensational, Austin Eckler also was very good next to him. However, as a non PPR league, you're going to lose a lot of value there because he catches a lot of passes. 
Um, I know Latavius Murray's playing the Bears, uh, but I'm going to take Murray in that one because the Chargers offense has been so abysmal the last few weeks that I just want to see it get back to normal before I can trust it again. Well, go figure. A guy, a talented guy, but probably uh, thought to be more talented than he is. He definitely thinks I think he's more talented than he is. And Melvin Gordon returns, and that offense goes into absolute disarray. They don't know what to do. It's it's kind of funny because it's finally starting to get to be a healthy offense. I, you, your wide receivers are dinged up. Mike Mike Williams is coming off the field every other play, but you got Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry's back. You you, you know you you got a guy in Austin Eckler who loves being used in the passing game. Melvin Gordon is pretty good in the passing game. Two running backs can run between the tackles, and they suck. They suck. And part of that is their their offensive line. Russell Okung, I believe, is supposed to come back today, and that's going to help anchor that that offensive line. He hasn't played yet this season, uh, but I still I don't know how you can play Eckler over Murray when once again we go back to what I was talking about last time, where he's going to have a more reliable ceiling with touches. He's not as good in the passing game, but they will use him in the passing game. So I'd expect Murray to get at least three or four catches in this game as well, and I know that's not as important in non PPR, but those are still going to be extra yards and he's going to run between the tackles more. He's going to get the goal line touches and guess what? Melvin Gordon's going to be getting the goal line touches for LA if they get that close. So I just, I I don't see how you can use Eckler at this point because his value over the last two weeks has basically gone from a top five back to maybe a top 30 back. Uh, Wide receiver question. DK Metcalf. Larry Fitzgerald or Allen Robinson. Um, what's interesting about this is, correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch Trubisky playing this week, correct? Yes, he's back. Allen Robinson, not great with Mitch Trubisky. Allen Robinson, great with Chase Daniel. That's a little bit of a concern if I'm an Allen Robinson owner, so I'm probably skipping him on this one. And, and Marshawn Latimer has legit shut down number one wide receivers this year. He's been legit. And then for DK Metcalf, he's had a couple of pop games here and there. Um, he's had a couple of touchdowns early in the year. He had, uh, what was it, two – or he had a long touchdown, a long catch in the first week, and he had one a couple of weeks ago. He's not trustworthy enough. I'm going Larry Fitzgerald on this one. Fitzgerald isn't exactly the best wide receiver in fantasy anymore, but he's getting around 10 points a game if you're in a PPR league. And – that's good enough for me if you're choosing between those guys, which is what I'm assuming your wide receiver three or your flex. That's good enough for me to get 10 points pretty consistently out of a guy like Fitzgerald. I think DK Metcalf has as good of a chance at catching two two touchdown passes as Jerron Brown. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Interesting. Yeah. No, because yeah. guess what? Jerron Brown caught two touchdown passes last week. I mean, but the, at it's the not same. It's all about touchdowns. It's, it's not all about touchdowns, but but you're looking at a guy in DK Metcalf that might get four receptions this week. You're and they are typically big chunk yardage plays, but I, I think his ceiling is capped because of that. You're and when you think about a guy in Larry Fitzgerald, who right now you don't have um, Christian Kirk on the other side right now. They're kind of they have to use. Chase Edmonds right now is a, a, kind of a, a semi-quasi wide receiver because that wide receiving core is a little beat up. There's probably nobody outside of maybe DeAndre Hopkins has better hands than Larry Fitzgerald. And guess what? That offense is looking better and better every week. So I, I really think you've got to kind of go Larry Fitzgerald on this. Sure, 
DK Metcalf could pop for more points, but I think you definitely have the ability of a high ceiling with Larry Fitzgerald and you have a stable floor. Uh, this one came in, and I think it's a joke, but if not, and you don't actually know, half point PPR, Emmanuel Sanders or Latavius Murray. Sanders played already. And he was actually okay, so, and, but, but not, I mean, he was like nine points and half PPR. Yeah, so if, if, if he was on your bench, he, you didn't notice, he played on Thursday, so you start Latavius Murray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darren Waller or Hunter Henry at tight end. This is a good one. That is very interesting. So Waller has been the guy And he was Oakland. extended, three-year extension this last week. He deserves it. He's been good. And his story is cool from learning it on Hard Knocks. I didn't know he went through as much crap as he did. Um, he is the guy for Derek Carr. However, he has yet to catch a touchdown pass. Not the guy in the red zone for some reason. Because it's Oakland. And the last two weeks, he has been a little bit less impressive than he was earlier in the season. Uh, Hunter Henry, on the other hand, with the banged up wide receivers on the Chargers, has been more, well, was more involved when he returned last week. Got two touchdowns, eight catches, 100 yards. Against a Pittsburgh defense, which is fine, not great. Uh, going against a good Tennessee defense this week uh, is a little bit nerve-wracking there. I think I'm going to go Henry for the touchdown pop potential because who else is Philip Rivers going to throw to right now? He's a very trustworthy guy as long as he's healthy, which he has not been for the last few years. So I'm going to take Hunter Henry, I think. I think if there's a place to attack this um, secondary of the Titans because it is a good secondary. I think they're going to frustrate Keenan and Allen because guess what? You don't really have to focus on too much. I think you're able to contain Mike Williams. Maybe someday he's going to be a big-time player, but right now, early in his career, he's just dealing with so many injuries every single week. I don't think he's a guy that really strikes fears in the eyes of defenders. So you can really bracket and double-team Keenan Allen and take him out of the game. And I think the best way to really attack this team is with Hunter Henry in the middle of the game. We've always seen Phillip Rivers rely on and lean on his tight ends, especially in the red zone when he has one that's worth a damn. And guess what? Hunter Henry is. He's the next Antonio Gates for as long as Phillip Rivers is there. So I think you have a really stable floor and a really high ceiling with him. And I think you have a fine floor and a fine ceiling with Waller. But I just think, Hunter Henry just outpaces him. Um, I, I and I, I they, they will use him in the red zone. He has a much higher probability of finding that touchdown than a Darren Waller. Full point PPR: Melvin Gordon or Alshon Jeffrey. I'm taking Alshon Jeffrey in that one. Uh, the, caught ten balls last week, six balls the week before. Full point PPR. That's sixteen points right there instantly for you. Uh, and when Carson Wentz finds a guy he trusts, he throws to that guy all the time. Uh, that has not been Zacherts this year. That was Zacherts last year. If you notice, he was like 10 catches every single game. If Alshon Jeffrey turns into that guy, then you want Alshon Jeffrey on your team. And I don't trust Melvin Gordon yet, so I'm taking Alshon on that one. I mean, this one, uh, as much as I would love to say Gordon, because in reality, Gordon should be the better fantasy player. Um, he hasn't showed enough in his first two weeks. We've talked about how the L.A. Chargers offense just looks in absolute disarray since he's come back. The only good piece basically at this point has been Hunter Henry last week. Um, Melvin Gordon hasn't been good the last two weeks. Keenan Allen hasn't been good the last two weeks. Um, I mean, they just none of them have been good. So I, I don't know how you can go Melvin Gordon in this situation. Um, so, yeah. Final two, standard league, Dante Pettis or Miles Sanders. This one's easy. Do not start Dante Pettis. He's done nothing, literally nothing, and I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, the Niners are good. I think they might be really good because their defense is nasty, but their offense isn't that good. They're good enough, but they're not that good, uh, whereas Miles Sanders actually has had some really big games for the Eagles and is a big patch cat, uh, 
pat wow i do this all the time catch passing threat patch casting uh i like sanders a lot in this one compared to pettis um so the reason why pettis hasn't been this guy because last year i know why people continue to think about pettis he finished Five of the last six weeks as like a top 10 receiver. And I expected him to come in and be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three this year as well. Uh, The problem is Kyle Shanahan doesn't look at him and go, this is a guy I want on the football field very much. And when you think about that bad drop in the end zone last week, that's why. Is because Kyle Shanahan doesn't see a wide receiver that's concentrating enough, that's running good enough routes that wants to be the number one at the, in the preseason, we were all freaking out over it, like excited about the idea of him breaking out. Kyle Shanahan came out and said, this guy could be a number one or he could be a number six. He has the talent to be both, which means he's not achieving his potential. And if he's not achieving his potential, he's not going to be out on the field very much. I don't like Dante Pettis at all. Last one is a flex question. This one's pretty easy. It's Austin Hooper or, uh, DK Metcalf, Hooper. Dude, Hooper's been incredible this year. He is the guy, it feels like, in, in Atlanta. You want him on your team every single week. Hooper, easy. Start him. He's going to make so much money in the offseason. Yeah. He's a free agent. Gonna He's going to make it to free agency. I don't think Atlanta's going to pay him. They've paid so much money to Julio Jones. I don't think they're going to be able to afford Hooper because Hooper is going to demand some money to get him on your team and yeah, no, I, I think you have to go Hooper over Metcalf. I, I, once again, I understand the appeal to Metcalf, the, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, he's a freak of nature. He, he can, you know, uh, he, he can out jump any corner for a ball. The problem is once again, his ceiling is capped based on targets based on the fact that he's still a rookie. He still doesn't run great routes. He still bobbles balls when he catches them. So he just, you know, that all that little things that you're looking for from a a wide receiver and the toe tapping, he's not quite there yet because he was still so raw coming in. And I just don't think that you can go with a guy like Metcalf over Hooper. All right, that's going to do it for the fantasy scramble today. Good luck in all your leagues this week. And uh, hopefully you get a win. I need one desperately in my league. So, uh, Hopefully you get a win and uh, we'll do it again in a couple weeks when we are back on the air coming up next. We'll do a quick segment to reset and get ready for the NFL talk on the show. This is football Sunday on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.53 here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Jesse with you. Rashad uh, had some car issues this morning, so likely not coming in today. Uh, Just a quick reset here because we only have a couple minutes. We got a lot of NFL coming up for you in the rest of the show as we focus mostly on college football. This week, uh, we've got some Marcus Mariota talk coming up at the top of the hour. Also, some Russell Wilson and the Seahawks talk at the West Coast Bias at 10.15, excuse me, and then hate it or love it at 10.30. And I want to get a little uh, segment in at the end of the show on the Oregon Lottery Scoreboard app, which launched last week to uh, some issues on the first day, but has since settled down and been 
uh, quite fun so far. And uh, we'll get to that coming up at the end of the 10 o'clock hour. By the way, if you have any last-second fantasy questions, uh, if you want to text them into the Better You Today text on 55305, uh, feel free. We'll answer them in the break here before the game start at 10 o'clock. But uh, before we get into all the specific NFL stuff, the quickly, because we're not going to have a huge chance to talk about this unless you bring it up and hate it or love it, the Patrick Mahomes injury on Thursday, man, that looked bad. And lucky for Chiefs fans that it's only going to be a couple of weeks that he's going to miss because it. Watching the replay, they showed them popping his kneecap back in. Yeah, place. instantly I was like, "Oh, that's a dislocated kneecap." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that, that leads to other things. A lot, a lot of other damages right. that could happen around that area." Lucky for him, nothing else happened. It was just the kneecap. But I mean, man, what a rough year for Patrick Mahomes with injuries. He's had the ankle injury that's been kind of hobbling him the last few weeks, and now this. You know, a guy comes in and is, it's not his true sophomore year, but his second year starting, and you expect a little bit of a regression from what he did in his his amazing MVP year. But I didn't want the regression to come because of injuries, and that's kind of what we're going to see from Mahomes this year. No, but see, see, this is all right. This is where we come back to that those conversations where we've had before, right? Where you think about a quarterback that you're like, this guy's so good, right? You're like, there's no, this guy's not only just going to win a Super Bowl, he's going to win mo- multiple Super Bowls. When you think about a guy like Patrick Mahomes last year, and he, he didn't quite make it last year, he lost in the AFC title game in his first year starting. Like, this guy, the sky is the limit for this guy. The future is bright. You know, multiple Super Bowls. We'll just start handing them to him right now. We don't know what the number on the ring is going to be, but we're just going to start handing him rings right now. The problem is, is we've seen amazing players before at the position come in, light the world on fire, Dan Marino, and never win a Super Bowl and be be the best at their craft, top five at their craft for their entire career and never win a Super Bowl. And you have to think about all the pieces that go into building a Super Bowl caliber team. Why why Peyton Manning only win one Super Bowl in in Indianapolis? You, you you really got lazy with the way you built your defense. You really got lazy with all of these things that you did as a GM building your team because you have such a great player. Same thing with Andrew Luck. Where's Andrew Luck? Retired because they didn't put an offensive line in front of him. You're, you're thinking, guy's the limit for Andrew Luck. Think about how great, how lucky the Colts were to fall in from Peyton Manning into Andrew Luck. How short was that career because you couldn't, have the foresight to put players around him. And now you're looking in, at Kansas city. Sure. Dude's got some flashy receivers. He's got a really good tight end. And because of that, your running backs seem to be proficient. You don't have Kareem hunt anymore. So they're not as good there, but that offensive line is not very good. That defense is bad. In fact, the only time that defense shines is when you're playing with the lead because they have a couple decent pass rushers that can rush off the edge. That's the same formula that Peyton Manning had in the Indianapolis. Broncos offensive line. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the Oregon Ducks have a better offensive line than Denver at this point. Oh, well, maybe. Uh, um, but, but you, you see where I'm going with this? Like, like nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is not guaranteed that ring. He's not even guaranteed to get back to the AFC title game, which he will. But I mean, there's nothing guaranteed in the NFL if you're not going to put the parts around your your stars to succeed. Think about Cam Newton right now. He made it to the Super Bowl. He's not going back. He can't run anymore. Is he, is he a quarterback that can make it to the Super Bowl without running? Probably not. Probably not. So no. how like 
the way that you build your team around these guys is critical to their future. And that offensive line is not good in Kansas City. And the defense is even worse. And so, it's even worse. I mean, it's only the second year, so there's still obviously time for them to build it correctly around Mahomes. But I just hate to see the injuries because I, I think he's a ton of fun to watch. I mean, even as a Broncos fan, I think he's a ton of fun to watch, even if it's hurting my team. And uh, that is... He's likable. He is likable. He's not like Russell Wilson. He doesn't seem fake. Like, you see those that commercial with the steak and he's just looking at the camera and squirting the ketchup on top of it. You're like, this guy's awesome. His little Kermit the Frog voice. He's so likable. That he is. That he is. Hopefully he never does anything to make us not like him. Because uh, we've had a lot of likable guys who have then gone and done things and you're like, well, can't really support him anymore. All right, coming up next hour, let's get into Mariota. Let's get into the Russell Wilson talk, plus hate it or love it. That is all next here on Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 